or not, because everybody knows the story. Everybody knows the story, at least has some general idea that there's Joseph, Mary, baby Jesus, angels, shepherds. What can be said that people haven't already heard dozens of times, if not hundreds of times before? The story is familiar, but the thing about familiar stories, though, is that when they're told over and over again, we can forget the meaning. The message of a story can be lost or just assumed. When I was growing up, I remember the story seemed really nice. You know, it was just like nice. It was like the nicest thing I ever heard. Mother and child, faces glowing, little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes, once again, which seemed especially odd to me, especially now as somebody with a three-month-old baby. Not really sure about that. But if you pay attention to the story, you'll notice a difference between the story as told in the scriptures and the story that too familiar story we tell over and over every year. The story starts in Rome, the center of the world's most powerful empire. Emperor Augustus has ordered a census throughout the whole empire, and everybody's got to return to the place where their families are from or to be taken. Then we hop across the Mediterranean to Judea, modern-day Israel-Palestine, one of Romans' occupied territories where Quirinius, the Roman governor, is charged with implementing the census. Judea is one of those territories that the Romans occupy. The people squeezed under heavy burdens of taxation. And it's a place where the Romans move quickly and violently to put down opposition. Don't worry, I am good at ignoring children. I have a lot of practice. <laughs> so the story begins in a time of oppression, a place of occupation. The story begins in a time of trouble on the world stage. And then the camera zooms into a little city called Bethlehem. This is the backwoods of the backwoods of the Roman Empire. Think of it as modern-day Haiti or Afghanistan. It's where Joseph's family is from, so he's made the journey with his family. His teenage fiance Mary, who's pregnant with a child, even though they ain't married yet. And a child, God knows who the father is. Literally, God knows who the father is. <laughs> So this isn't quite a storybook, perfect postcard family that makes their way to Bethlehem. And what's worse is when they finally arrive, there's no place to stay. So when it's time for Mary to have this baby, they have to make do with what they've got. No hospital room here, just the great outdoors. Or a stable where they keep the animals, or a cave, depending on what your interpretation of what that might mean. No central heat, no cradle, no crib, not even a bed, just a manger the trough where the animals eat for baby Jesus to sleep in. And you know, I'm worried enough about my kids and their safety, just thinking about it cranks up my anxiety. But you can imagine the worry, you can imagine the stress, you can imagine all these things in the nativity. It doesn't sound like the nativity I grew up with. It's political unrest. It's displaced people. It's family crisis in a family that's already had everything stacked against it from day 
one sounds kind of familiar. If we read the familiar Christmas story again, we'll realize that it's kind of dark. It's not much of a nice story altogether. Don't get me wrong, I mean, I like nice stories. Nice stories all have, always have their place. But the point of Christmas is that God doesn't need a nice story. God doesn't need a nice life to be a part of either. There's this messed up family that ends up in a messed up situation in the middle of a messed up world. This is exactly where God shows up. This is where the mystery at the heart of the universe touches down, takes on flesh. It's not a nice story because God doesn't need a nice story. The good news about Christmas is that if God can show up in a broken, messed up situation in the mud and muck of a stable like this one, God can show up anywhere and to any of us. Any less than perfect family, any heartbreaking situation of injustice and oppression, any time, any place, any person, God can show up, enter in, and like a newborn child, God will radiate blessing and new life. No matter who, no matter what, no matter where, in spite of it all, in spite of people like you and me. So, my prayer for each of us tonight, whether we are lifelong church people or if it's the first time through the doors, my prayer is that this old familiar story somehow becomes unfamiliar again. And then our eyes are open, not just here tonight, but our eyes are open to see that holy presence that creates, redeems, and sustains all things. One that comes to us not just when things are good and not just when we're good, but when things are not so good, when our days are at their darkest. It's not nice. It's not dreamy. It's not a pleasant glass of eggnog, but, you know, feel free to go out and enjoy a pleasant glass of eggnog and celebration. But the story is not nice because God doesn't need nice. It's not nice, but it's good news, and thank God for that. Amen.